Hey friends, it's Kelsey Kemp, here to inspire and guide you as you answer the call. Tune in each week to hear me illuminate the biblical truth of what a calling actually is and how to find yours so you could create a career worthy of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You won't just be hearing from me though. Some of the most incredible and purposeful people I know will be joining me to tell you their story of how God called them into careers that honor who they were made to be. So their work is now creating generations of ripple effects for the glory of God. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go. Today, we all have the immense pleasure of hearing from my dear friend, Ariane Minx. She is serving as a confidential assistant uh, to the United States Department of the Treasury. Isn't that incredible? And I'm just calling it right now. I think that we're hearing from a future president of the United States of America. I'm just saying it because she is that wise, that sharp, that smart, and that is going to come through loud and clear through the wisdom that she shares in this podcast interview today. You are going to hear her experience of how God began to make clear her calling as young as 14 years old through some painful circumstances, but she also shares about the grace in that and how God continued to make her path clear, flinging doors wide open for her to step through. And she was so faithful to do that. That's something that I really, really appreciated about what she shared. Um, In her example of having a posture of saying yes to opportunities, all the while praying like, God, would you please shut the doors that you don't want me to walk through? Let your will be done. But you'll see she has this bent towards action that I think is so important for all of us to pick up for ourselves as well. Instead of just sitting back and trying to thought engineer our calling, really thoughtful action instead of just thought, is the key. And you're going to see how that has played out so strong through her story and also the practical tips that she gives you to be able to maximize the opportunities given to you as well. And you're going to want to stick around to the end, I promise, to hear her incredible and wise advice for how to find your unique calling that God has placed on your life. Really, so, so sharp. I can't get that word out of my mind, I don't think, because that just seems to encapsulate her. She's gentle, but wise, discerning, and sharp as a whip. So I'm so thankful that she came on, and I'm excited to hear what all of you have learned from this. So go ahead, and when you're listening to this screenshot, um, yeah, that's right, I'm promoing this right now, screenshot it, and share on Instagram stories that you're listening to answer the call with Kelsey Kemp right now. Woo! Because this is stuff that, honestly, more people need to hear. So find me on Instagram at Kelsey underscore the called career and check out the show notes for all the links and whatnot. Oh gosh, I'm just going to cut that out right now and let you enjoy this episode. My friend, Ariane, welcome. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here and join you. <laughs> oh my 
my gosh, the thrill and the pleasure is mine. Um, can you please indulge me by first sharing your very legit job title and then <laughs> a little blurb about who you are, what you're doing? Yes, of course. Um, well, hello, my name is Ariane Minx. Um, I work at the Department of the Treasury um, for the United States government. I am a confidential assistant to the general counsel. Um, so basically, uh, Treasury has a lot of lawyers and um, we got to get a lot of stuff done. And um, our general counsel uh, is the top lawyer of everything. Um, and he is supported by two deputy general counsels. Um, and I kind of run their world um, and help them to stay on track and remember all the plates that are in the air. Um, but I also get to do some special projects for them, which has been really cool and, and fascinating. And before, and so that's what I'm doing right now. Um, but I've been oh at Treasury almost a year and I love it. Well, you could see this because we're on video. My jaw is like on the <laughs> ground. Um, everyone listening, just I'm sure they're having the same reaction because that is so cool. And I'm so excited to get more into that how you came to be in this position. Um, it's pretty impressive. I just got to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's mostly Jesus, I think. <laughs> the Lord. Well, yeah. I'm excited to get into that too. Yeah. Um, so can you give me a little background going back, like little Ariane? Yeah. Where'd you grow up? And what were you all about? Like, what were you interested in? Yes. Um, so I grew up, I always tell people I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, we actually grew up in a town called Argyle and, um, it is just South of Denton, Texas. Um, when I grew up there, it was all ranches, all rural, a lot of horses. Um, my, we lived in the middle of the woods on five acres and, um, we backed up to a ranch, a cattle ranch, and I heard coyotes yipping at night. And um, when I went to bed, um, so it was, it was really cool to grow up out there. And then, um, I drove in to school with my mom. My mom taught in a school district 45 minutes away, the Hurstulis Bedford Independent School District, and um, would ride in to work with her every day and ride home with her. Um, so I grew up in Argyle, but I feel like I also grew up in the halls of my mom's high school that eventually became my high school. So Wow. Oh, that's so sweet, man. You're so wonderful <laughs> at painting a picture. Because I have to remember we're recording a podcast right now because I was kind of just settling in for the bedtime story of, and there was the coyotes outside the window. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. Um, and little Ariane was into everything. Um, I'm an only child. I'm really close to my mom. Um, and I think her uh, motivation when she had me, she was 40 when she had me. So she had explored the world and done all the things. And um, she just started throwing me into things. Um, so I was uh, horseback riding. I played piano. I was in choir. I did gymnastics. Um, I did art lessons. I took uh, ballet and danced um, for 13 years. I started ballet when I was two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love to dance still. Um, and then I read a lot of books. Um, I read a ton, but it was cool because, um, because my mom and I were so close to you and it, it was just me, she would take me with her everywhere. So, um, I did, I feel like the normal kid things, but I also was at the table with a lot of adults, um, for a lot of the time. And I watched the news with her every night. Um, so I, it was sweet because I think I got exposure to conversations and ideas that most little kids don't, um, yeah. just by nature of being her sidekick for my first 18 years of life. Wow. <laughs> um, 
I'm yeah. starting to get a little bit of a picture of how you ended up so smart. <laughs> so dang smart. You were as sharp as a whip. And I knew that from the first time I met you in college. Um, and so it's no wonder where you've ended up. Really, it's not a marvel to me. But uh, so kind of connecting the bridge, speaking of where you're at now and connecting this <laughs> little Ariane, um, part of that I could just ask like, well, how did you get here? But obviously you love the Lord. And so what is your faith background and how does that tie in with your upbringing? Yeah. Um, this gets a little heavy. Um, I, uh, my parents had a rocky marriage and the entire time they were married and, and my dad has some pretty radical beliefs on Christianity and that I, I don't think are totally aligned with the scripture. Um, but my mom is amazing. My mom was raised, um, by a Methodist chaplain and his wife and she's adopted and like they're fully her parents. Um, but she grew up all over the world. Um, with the U S air force. And so, uh, her belief system is rock solid just from her upbringing. And, um, she's very much a CS Lewis kind mm-hmm. of theology. And so I had her on the other side in this marriage. Um, and a lot of my faith background just started with my mom telling me that God is love. Um, and that we are his children. Um, and, when my parents, uh, my parents went through a really brutal divorce and, um, I think I had an incredibly impactful experience and one that many people probably don't have, but I was 14, um, at summer camp and I was sitting in the room of my door dorm, um, sitting on the floor of my dorm going through Texas family law to try and understand like what was happening to me and, and what was happening to our family. And, I think through that process, God revealed like my purpose in life. That was when my purpose started kind of, um, being uncovered. And, um, I mean, there were nights when I was like 12, 13, 14, where I was on my knees in my closet, just praying. Um, because I think when everything around us falls apart, we have Jesus, um, and he, he's the rock of ages. So, um, yeah, that's where I've always found my stability and my footing. Um, and of course I've had my, my spiritual journey has, has been a journey. It has ups and downs, oh, yeah, like course. everyone, you know, um, if but you said it was linear. I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think seeing the way God brought my mom and I through those three years and um, just like brutal court proceedings, um, just really instilled, um, a strong faith in me. Um, but also built, I think, a massive Ebenezer in my life of being able to trust in God's provision. Um, and so it has been easy to answer the call. Not always, like, answer the call and then get there. Like, sometimes oh, yeah. that part is really hard. But um, I feel like whenever God has asked me to go do something, um, I've been pretty uh, obedient in answering that. Um, just because I know that if he calls you to it, he'll bring you through it. So um, that's oh, kind of the faith that goes. I that's feel great. like... You know, this could be the most rock solid 10 minute interview of all time. I think that was a beautiful closing statement. Thank you so much, Ariad. (laughs) No, but there's so much more we could get. Incredible. And actually, you and, um, well, so many, Bethany, 
um, Joseph, who I interviewed, mm-hmm. Claire, Robbie, you know, our, our friends, our mutual all friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are the ones that through these podcast interviews taught me about the Ebenezer. I didn't even know about that concept, but it's so interesting to see. I'll, I'll tie that together of this is a monument in my life where I cannot deny the Lord's faithfulness. And also in what you said of um, all the pain and the terrible things that you had to go through, um, seeing the Lord meet you in those moments and carry you through it. It reminds me of what Alex Park said, another um, friend that I interviewed. He said that there's so much grace in our our pain and the way that we kind of deteriorate he was talking about death and humility and stuff um but i see the grace and it seems like you do too in the hardships that we endure because if life was just so great i know myself i quite quickly turn into my own god and i forget about the lord um, which is so so crazy (laughs) but Okay, that's that's incredible to hear about this calling already starting to become clear. Fourteen-year-old yeah. Ariane. So tell me how that developed throughout college, and if your career vision, if it changed or if it focused in, and how things became more clear. Yeah, for sure. So um, fast forward, and it's even. I mean, there's so there's just so much sweetness, and I feel like my story and my mom's and. Um, of God's provision. I mean, my mom reconnected with one of her high school sweethearts and married him. And he's like the dad that I thought I would never have. Um, and they have a beautiful home right outside Austin and we have just a beautiful family now. Um, so that's really sweet. But, uh, I think in high school I was still into everything. That's kind of been an MO of mine. I like to do a lot. I like to stay busy and be productive um, but it's also because I'm just interested in so much. Um, and I think like a humble curiosity about the world is really a healthy thing to maintain. Um, but in college, I was a business major and um, that all happened. I wanted to go to a college with um, a big football program. I don't know a lot about football, but I think <laughs> I just, I love when we're all on the same team, like cheering for a common goal. I just love that feeling. And I think that's what I wanted. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I looked at UT at A&M, missed seriously. Those were the schools that I was really considering. And um, A&M reached out with a, a full ride um, in the form of a scholarship. Amazing. <laughs> and I, I, that's the other thing. God is so gracious with me because he knows I, I like to be in everything. Whenever I'm supposed to walk through a door, he just swings it wide open. And I'm yep. like, thank you. <laughs> yes, I will proceed. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I got a full ride to A&M and um, was also admitted into the business honors program. And I did a tour my senior year with a maroon coat, um, which was a service organization at A&M that I actually got to be a part of as well, which is sweet. But um, during that tour, he took me through the business honors suite and um, business just seems like such a good jumping off point for anybody because it's about people and um, but it's about people through the lens of logic and, and reason that are like you're making decisions to govern structures organizations create new products but you're doing it with a lot of data and um, so you're making an informed decision which I think is really cool um, and so as well I was in the program we have to do an internship 
and um, I got an internship offer to go to Singapore. And um, at this point, this. I was yeah. so jealous. I'm yeah. like, oh, you're in Singapore right yeah. now. Oh. And at this point, I was doing like the normal college kid, especially in the business school at that time. Consulting was so popular. It was oh, like yeah. consulting or eye banking for everybody. And um, I was like, do I want to do consulting? Do I want to do accounting? Because AM has this incredible five year accounting program where you get a master's at the end of it. Um, but I hated my accounting class. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just hated it. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. And, um, was so miserable. My mom was like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, why are you putting yourself into this misery? And I was like, I don't know, because this is what you do to be successful here. Um, yeah, Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I wouldn't talk to our, um, like what advisor, what it, what Eric, I guess so. Like the advisor for the program. I'm sorry. I just blanked on that word, but, um, he was like, you don't have to do this. Like you can just get a degree in business honors and then like pile in some like special specialized things. Um, so I did international business and then I did like a ton of like leadership development, like, like more specialty classes in the school as well. Um, and then I taught a class as well. So uh, at <laughs> this point, wait, what, what <laughs> I want to know. I taught, I taught a class called Coffee House Conversations. Um, it was great. I, had, I was in a one-hour class um, that was called Hot Top, or it's like Hot Topics, um, and it was a debate-style class. And I think debates are so much fun, but one thing... That's why you're special, Erie. <laughs> but I think one thing, and I, I see this in, across our society right now, is that when you're debating, the, the end goal is to win. Um, but that's not the way the world works. And that's not the way we thrive. Um, the way we thrive is by listening to each other and learning from each other and each other's experiences. And I wanted to create a forum where students could do that. But I wanted to set them up for success um, by understanding how to, how to view information that we get. And um, so the front half of the class was epistemology and philosophy. And the back half was um, using current topics um, in the news or in the media around the world as vehicles to um, really ground the the concepts that we learned at the beginning. So we walked through like Plato's knowledge equals justified true belief. We walked through Abel's nine good reasons of knowing. Um, we read Allegory of the Cave, which I would recommend to anyone. Um, what is that again? Allegory of the Cave. Oh, God. It's very brief. It's like maybe three pages front and back. Um, but it's beautiful. It's all about um, how I think as humans, like once we learn something, once we see something fully, it's very, very difficult to, to take that knowledge out. And like the, you just want to share it with everybody. Um, and sometimes others aren't ready to receive the truths that we may know. Um, so it's, it's the most beautifully written piece. I think it's great about humanity and kind of the way we learn things and the way we see things. Um, so I would recommend. And then, so I was teaching, I was trying to figure out if I was consulting or accounting, and then I was doing a lot um, outside of just coursework. And um, I knew I had this internship coming up, and I was trying to figure out, do I want to do Teach for America? Do I want to go to law school? Do I want to do consulting? Like, what is going on in my life? And um, by the, that was at the end of my junior year, 
I was very ready to get off of the continent of North America. I was exhausted. <laughs> I was burned out. It sounds like a Mamma Mia moment. Yeah. Well, at least the second movie where Donna's yeah. like, I just have to go. Kalakari yeah. is calling yeah. my name. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So I went to Singapore. My internship in Singapore was kind of for their government doing cybersecurity and cybercrime research. Um, it was great. I would recommend interning abroad or studying abroad to anyone in college that is listening to this. Um, you learn so much about yourself yeah. um, in the world. It's great to learn about the world, but like you need to know who you are and you need to be able to sit with yourself in a dark room and be okay with who you are. Yes. Um, and so Singapore was that for me. And while I was there, so cybersecurity and cybercrime are really interesting right now, especially in the legal world, yes. because the technology is outpacing the legislation. And so um, you have basically laws that are being written in Congress, but you also have court decisions coming down that are setting precedent and governance on how to operate in this space. Um, so everyone around the world at that time, this is three or four years ago. I think, I think we're at a better place globally with how to, how to keep track of this. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. But like when I was there, it was brand new. Like the United States and Russia were really the only two countries that were giving this subject any, any attention. Um, and so in Singapore, they were having us research kind of like what was happening, like how the United States and Russia were coming to these decisions going through court cases and reading through them um, or the briefs that come out of the court cases and reading through them. Um, and then also Singapore had just um, issued a law on um, cybersecurity for small to medium sized businesses. And um, I don't know if you've ever read a bill or legislation no. or a law, but it's not like, it's not like Harry Potter. It's not always super easy to follow, you know? No. Um, so they, had one of my projects while I was there was to go through that and create like a layperson guide on how to like what this law would mean basically for small to medium sized businesses. And then by the end of the internship, we were doing um, MOUs and legal document packages for multinational franchises. Um, so it was really fun. I think the law is like a very fun space to play in, but um, it was while I was there at, uh, that I realized I loved what I was doing. I found it fascinating. Um, but I could actually do that for my own country. Yeah. I could do it for the United States, which by far and away is the best nation on earth. Um, and oh, I know. I, I honestly <laughs> have like such a cringe whenever people say that. I think it's just growing up in, well, I don't think it matters that I grew up in the South. This is probably a universal experience, but just having people be so prideful about America's the best. And I remember Dr. Masoma um, from, uh, well, May's Business School, where we both went for university. And you might have seen him on Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> was on Ellen. Probably um, saw him on Ellen. He always was throwing shade, well, calling out more like, I'm saying, like, why does everyone think that America's the best nation on earth? He's from, do you remember what country in Africa? Oh, I wish I could Google it right now. Um, I don't, I don't remember where he's from. Sorry, I, Dr. Masoma, if you're yeah. listening to this, but um, I, I just was so struck by that, that he consistently, strongly, but graciously called out, um, maybe what could be considered 
pridefulness or at worst extreme nationalism. And so what makes you say, I'll put you on the hot seat. What makes you say that America is the best one on earth, best Um, country on earth? Yeah, I think, and it's not, it's not a pridefulness that is antagonistic towards Mm -hmm. other nations. This is a, we are part of a global society and every nation has, we all have value and worth and there are um, amazing things that all of us bring to the table um, and we need each other to survive as a human race. We do. Um, we can't act as act in isolation. But um, when I was in Singapore, I got homesick for the United States and I'm going through all of their laws and I just, I didn't understand the society fully. I'd been there long enough to see it, but I just didn't understand the culture or the vibe of the country. And so I went through their constitution and our constitution and, um, no other, I can say this because I've also asked people that would know this better than I do, but and you no, know better than me. So I'm glad <laughs> to be asking you this question. No other nation attempts to even do what we do every day. Wow. We, we have freedom of speech. We have freedom of the press. We have freedom of religion. And we have people who willingly sign up to defend those rights. And I get emotional talking about it because it just doesn't exist anywhere else. And um, Singapore is an incredible country and I'm so grateful for my time there, but they don't have freedom of speech and they enforce the death penalty. And one, that was one of the things that we do too, but I mean, they do it in a, in an even more heightened sense. Um, I, when I was there, my boss said that, you know, if you go on Facebook and you write a status that slanders a group or a, a race of people over there, they'll come and get you in the middle of the night and take you out of your house and imprison you which is not something that would ever happen in the United States. Now, do I think that it's like, okay to say things like that online? No, but like we have the freedom to be able to say pretty much whatever we want and not be imprisoned for it. I mean, that just is is mind boggling. And we are for the most part, still a civil society, you know? Um, So just like what we attempt to do every day is monumental um, when you look at it from a global perspective. And yes, I know we're uh, like, I, there's a lot going on in the United States right sure. now. <laughs> I totally get that. But like, if there's gonna, we're gonna come in, we're gonna have issues, we're gonna have topics that we need to discuss further and learn more about when we attempt this crazy experiment of freedom every single day. Um, so by far and away, it's the best nation on earth. Um, and I think if you are listening to this and you really don't understand that perspective, I think you should go spend some, a significant amount of time living in another country um, that you think might be better um, yeah. and see, see what else is available in the world. Um, so well said. thank you sincerely for reading <laughs> my patriotism. Yeah. I, that was beautifully said. Let me know. <laughs> anytime, anytime I can be your girl. I'll always like be pumping up patriotism yeah. in this country. Oh, yeah. that's, that's awesome. So I'm sorry. I believe I interrupted the story here, but you were connecting how your time in Singapore led you to, it seems like a deep conviction that this is my path. I want to go back to America and get into the governmental and political spheres. Yeah. And um, so I always wanted to go to law school and um, remember 
remembering, you know, just my parents' divorce, I think cracked that wide open. But um, I obviously love this country and <laughs> um, Singapore was a great place to learn that I need to be like, you need to be in DC if you want to be at the heartbeat of it. Um, and so uh, one of my best friends from home um, is a year older than me and she'd been in DC um, my senior year. She was in DC the whole time. And she told me, she was like, just send me your resume just in case and we'll shop it around for internships. Cause my, the whole plan, Ariane was supposed to go to law school after she graduated college. Yeah. Um, I remember and, that uh, we yeah. were, uh, well, I was about to graduate and cause I'm one year ahead and <laughs> you were like, yeah, I'm taking the LSAT right now. And me, just I don't know why I was so like why are you doing LSAT as if I was not going into some thoughtless stereotypical career <laughs> thing as if oh gosh so stupid um but yes I remember you were you were on the track to go yeah to yeah um and there I I think there are a lot of reasons like why I really was pushed to DC um but I think one of them, so I got a, an email out of the blue on Christmas break, my senior year from Congressman Hurd's office, who um, was a, is a U.S. representative for Texas's 23rd congressional district. He just announced his retirement, but he's like not even old enough to retire yet. I think he announced his like, I'm going to try something different for a little bit. Okay. But um, He's an incredible, incredible member of Congress. Um, and his office reached out and said, we got a copy of your resume and we'd love to interview you for an internship. And it was because my dear friend, Amy Gray had sent them my resume and, um, Thank you, Amy Gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, um, scheduled to go to Cuba for a study abroad during, um, winter break my senior year. If you, if you don't, if it hasn't become apparent, I love to travel um, and learn more about the world. But, um, I interviewed via phone um, right before I went to the airport for Cuba. And they were like, we'd love to offer you the internship at the end of the right call. There. And, yeah. And I broke down in tears, <sighs> broke down in tears. And um, because I just, you know, those dreams that you have in your heart that you don't even want to name, they're so sacred. Yes. And yeah. And it was like going to DC was one of those dreams. And I just never imagined that it would, that I would be able to. And it was such a sweet gift of God literally out of the blue. Like I didn't apply for an internship. This is something that we need to all understand how great God is. I've yes. never applied for an internship. I hadn't reached out to their office. I didn't know anyone in their office and they emailed me and said, we want to interview you. And at the conclusion of the interview, they offered me the internship. So, um, cue what you said, doors fly wide open, wide open. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, I was just over the moon. I just couldn't believe it. Um, and I was so excited. So one thing that is common to DC, a lot of people move up here without a job. Um, cause it's just, it's hard to break in to a lot of what goes on up here. If you don't know anything about it. And if you don't know the government yet, like know, know the networks, but also just know how it works. Like I, our nation's government is very, very complex. Um, and I wish it was something that were easier to understand from the outside, but you just, you have to be here to get a job here, I think. Um, and so <laughs> I, at the end of my senior year, I put off applying to law school. It was March of my senior year <laughs> and um, had kept delaying my law school applications, like could not write a personal statement. And I'm the type of gal when I want something to get done, 
it gets done. Like I do not wait around. Um, so I knew there was probably, there was a disconnect in my heart. I knew there was something stirring and there was a reason why I wasn't, um, going to law school and, um, had to break it to my parents that I had to break it to my mom that I wanted to move to a city I'd never been to and had one friend in and no job in and make my life there. Um, it's pretty brutal conversation to have with your parents. Um, <laughs> but I, I was standing on the back deck with my stepdad and he was like, well, how, how are your law school apps going? And I was like, they're not. And he was like, all right. He was like, you get into your dream school. Um, here's like, you get into your dream school. Would you want to go to law school or would you want to delay and try and work in DC? And I was like, I would want to try and work in DC. And he was like, why don't you just go do that? And I was like, a great question <laughs> oh I really liked that little pattern of questions yeah. to reveal the truth yeah um so great great line of questioning and that's what I did so um yeah I moved up here in an internship and knew when I got here that I needed a job and I needed Jesus um so I worked, Jesus. that's all we're that's asking all you for mean. the answer the call community yeah. <laughs> maybe some coffee and wine but <laughs> oh, <holler. laughs> yeah <laughs> but jobs in Jesus and so um I joined like five or six bible studies I think because I also just didn't have any friends and um tried to find a church and just like worked my butt off um and thankfully like God is so good our office had the office I was, Congressman Hurd's office had, um, the turnover in the office and my need of a job just like met perfectly. And, um, they, I started as a legislative correspondent, um, which basically means you're on the front lines with constituents. Oh, um, wow. Answering all those stories for days. <laughs> so many stories. That you probably can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you answer all the calls, all the letters, all the emails and, so it's like those those texting campaigns that are like text like four eight seven six to get your congressman's number and let him know how you feel about you know saving cats and so like those oh, so actually got my text. Through. yeah yeah like there's a real person who answers those and it is their responsibility to brief the congressman on congressman or senator on um what his constituents are talking about and um will is such an incredible representative to give you like kind of a a headspace guess on this. Um, every U.S. Uh, district has around 800,000 people in it, um, and that's determined by the census, which is why it's really important to participate in the census if you're asked to, um, so they can get an accurate count on where people are living and um, redistrict accordingly. So 800,000 people, they all have thoughts and concerns. They all reach out and, and will uh, we had a gold standard office of answering every single letter, email, text, phone call, drop in, all of them. Um, and Will's amazing. And that he knew his district really, really well. He knows his stuff really well because um, that's the kind of standard that he sets. Um, so it was a great, it's also a really great place to be for your first year in DC because I, you're learning kind of what the American public focuses on, but you're also learning about like, how a law is made or how a bill is passed into law and how Congress works and how to read legislation. And, um, bills are actually like, I feel like once you've read through enough of them, they're pretty easy to understand. Um, but, uh, 
it's cool. I'm in the executive branch now and it's cool to see how the two branches relate. And once, um, legislation's enacted, like a, a bill has become law and it's enacted, the executive branch then has to go through all of the agencies that it touches and roll out regulations for that. And um, so I'm getting to see more of that side of things now, which is really interesting. Um, but all that to say, that's how I got to the Hill and I was in that job made for, it for a while. Yeah. Um, and like continued to grow my life in DC. I'm a member of Passion City Church um, up here oh. with Ben Stewart and I Good love it. Ben Stewart. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's what they call a Jesus church and um, because they really just try to center the church around what Jesus taught and the way he lived his life. Um, and we are a community dedicated to bringing God's word to the people of DC. Um, it's or one of the things that passion says is for people, um, for the city, it's for people, for the church, for the city, for the world. Um, and DC is kind of an epicenter, a global epicenter. So it's, it's really just an amazing church, but, um, I was nearing the end of my year in Congressman Hurd's office. And it's kind of like, what's next? Um, cause I realized the ladder I was on was not the ladder that I wanted to climb. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I loved being on, I mean, I, I loved the people I worked with. I have so much respect for um, congressional staffers. Like you guys have no idea how much they carry um, and how much they do. And they're incredibly underpaid <laughs> to be quite <laughs> frank. <laughs> but but um, I just didn't, it, I realized it wasn't the ladder that I was supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go to law school again. All law school re-enters. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was studying for the LSAT again. And um, I, I I was just, I was like going to quit my job and work in anthropology and Manny kind of in between That's applying. That's much what I did. Well, yeah. before college. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which you can actually make like more money nannying in DC than you can working for the government, which is kind of funny. But oh, <laughs> as gosh. an entry, entry level government, government gal. But, um, it's pretty horrifying, but I, (laughs) I, I was, so I was babysitting for my former chief of staff and, um, she got back from the party she was at and she was like, Hey, um, I met a couple while I was there. They need a sitter tomorrow night. Are you free? And I was like, yeah, um, I'd I'd be happy to babysit. So went to this new family's home, the most precious children I've ever, I, I don't know. All my kids that I babysit, Manny, are precious. <laughs> These kids are also very precious. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I just did like what you do when you babysit, you know, you put the kids to bed, you pick up the house, you straighten things, put things away. And, um, at the end of the night, uh, the, the parents came home and the dad, um, was like, you did a great job. Like, here's my card. If you ever need anything. Um, and he was, he was chief of staff to the secretary of the treasury. Um, <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> he like ran, ran the treasury building. I will go laminate this business card. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, you know, Mays Gal with my Mays Gal training. Um, <laughs> I Mays Business School the best. I um, just emailed him to say thank you. Do, do you always, always send a follow-up email to say thank you. Just do it. Just do it. Um, so I sent him a follow-up email. I was like, I would love to learn more about treasury. I'm not really looking for a job right now, but like the, the department of the treasury is like, you know, it's a jewel in the ground. Like it's a great department. And I was like, I'd love to learn more about like what you guys do. Um, and he was like, 
I had a phone call three hours later from um, one of the guys that worked for him. And he was like, let's set up coffee. I'm vacationing this week, but let's get one next week. So I was like, okay. So I thought I was just going to a coffee and um, literally my notepad, one of the top questions was, what does the treasury do? <laughs> what <are> treasury? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just, I know like there's a lot of information online and they do a lot. Um, but I, I just thought it was going to be an informational coffee. I wasn't expecting anything. And I sat down, I think this was on a Tuesday and um, sat down at the Starbucks that I get coffee at every morning now. And, um, he was like, all right, here's the job description. And I was like, holy moly. Oh. Yeah. So it was, a, it was like a first round interview essentially is what I, what I had gone to. So I was like, I just went with it. You know, I was like, yeah. all right, maybe this is, I just, I'll just, so I, I kind of laughed though. I, I think I did tell him I didn't realize there was a job and he was like, okay, well you think about it and let me know. So I went straight back to my office on the Hill and I saw my chief. I was like, we need to talk right now. She was like, okay. And so <laughs> I was like, I was like, um, and she'd known, I was really honest in my conversation with her that like I was ready to move on and I didn't really want to be on the Hill anymore. And I was going to go to law school and um, I sat down with her and I was like, so that coffee with the treasury people was actually a job interview. And then there's like an interview and she was like, she was like, I think you should always take the interview, which is great advice. Just always take the interview. Um, cause you, so far, we have always take the interview and always write a follow up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm collecting this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was like, you can always use interview experience and like, it's a great touch point. Cause I think, especially when you're young, we forget that interviews are as much you interviewing them as them interviewing you. And yes. so it's a great opportunity to ask questions, to get to know the team, to understand the vibe of the building, like pay attention if people are smiling, if they say hi to you in the hallways, if you hear a lot of yelling, you know, like just there's a lot you can pay attention to in an interview. So I, I said that night, I sent him an email that night and I said, I'll take the interview. And um, I interviewed on Thursday with like, the people that would become my bosses. And then Friday interviewed with Eli, the chief of staff who I'd babysat for again. And I had a job offer Friday night. Um, so it was crazy when the, when God wants you to walk down a path, he swings the door wide open. Oh my gosh. Now um, I'm just wanting to ask you what has been hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that my like really petty nature being like good grief very It seems like, Oh no! Words like flying open. Come I know. Sometimes, sometimes I get stressed. I'm like, because it has been like navigating all of that though has been difficult, and like I, I do work really, really, really hard. Yes. Um, but I just, I mean, sometimes I get emotional walking to work because I'm just so grateful for God's abundant favor in my life. Um, I just, I don't know. I think He does have plans to prosper for us to prosper, but I just have found a lot of favor. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I struggle like with Jesus, it too. I receive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I think you have to be obedient. Like I answered his call to come to DC and yes. I answered his, I answered this call to stay at treasury. Um, and I, so I was working kind of in the office of the secretary doing a lot of coordination for that office and like briefings and stuff. And it was while I was working there that the general counsel reached out and said, we want Ariane to come over and work for us. 
Wow. Again, unsolicited, but, um, incredible. Yeah. It, it's amazing. And it's a perfect fit because I do really want to go to law school still. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and I think I need to, that's been one thing working for them. Um, the issues that we get to work on are really interesting and just like business is an intersection of like logic and math and people. Mm-hmm. Law is a, a similar, very similar intersection and um, with how to govern like the, the world that we live in. And, and it's all with people, like people building structures and systems. And um, treasury is a really special part of that because it's the government, it's business, it's legal, it's national security. It's just, it's a lot of things. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun, but very much so the path that I'm on, like everyone that I work with are, is like, when are you going to law school? Um, so tune back in in a year to see yes. if this girl submitted her application yes <laughs> I know that's like the next calling in my life and um I can see God laying down the stones to walk down that path and so I'm excited um but I love where I'm at I love the department and the people that I work with are incredible they're some of the most brilliant kind hard-working individuals that I will ever have the honor of meeting and um, working working with so, um, yeah, it's been really sweet. So that's how I got to where I am now. Um, and I mean, when you look at it, it's like, it's, it's inflection points that don't make a lot of sense, like accepting an internship, moving without a job, um, babysitting, like babysitting for someone. And, but then those were the opportunities that God gave me. And, um, my job on the other side of that, I feel like is to just give everything I have um, for his glory when I'm put in those positions. So working really hard, asking really thoughtful questions, being a, a like healthy, um, humble curiosity of what I'm learning and then just being kind and compassionate and having a joyful heart in all of that. Um, and I think that's really easy to find when we just remember to be grateful for everything that he's given us. So. If you could embody at least seven out of 10 of the things that you said, I, I'd say anybody <laughs> listening would be quite well off maximizing their opportunities and going far. And I, I'm curious, I, there's so many ways I could ask this, like, what do you think your calling is? Or what do you think your mission or purpose is in this season? But really, the way I'd like to ask this is um, how Timothy Keller said this in Every Good Endeavor, a classic. A good book. It really is. He said, every Christian must connect how their work or see the connection of how their work serves the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so how do you see what you're doing now serve the kingdom? How has God purposed that? Yeah, I think mine is, well, first let's look at what kingdom, that word, let's look at that word and what it means. So I see the kingdom as the world, right? Mm -hmm. It, um, some people see it through their human lens. I, I don't know. I see it with humanity, but also like infrastructure and agriculture and business and countries and governments, the kingdom, like earth. Um, and how I think, I don't know, public service is really easy to see the connection because yeah. literally we need a government to function. <laughs> so Fair I, enough. <laughs> I serve, I serve the government. I serve the United States, which we already went over earlier is the greatest nation on earth. Um, and I, I think 
right now I, I get to help keep the trains running for a really big part of the kingdom, like a very important part of helping the kingdom to continue to flourish. Um, recently Ben Stewart was preaching on, um, single dating engaged married. It was a series our church did also a great book. And he was talking about singleness and it's in Genesis one six. We were created to make structures for things to flourish. That was like Adam's job when he was put down is like make things work. And so, um, I feel like I'm an integral part of helping to make structures, but also keep structures in place that help society to help our society flourish. Um, yeah. And so, that's how I think I serve the kingdom and on a very broad scale with a broad, broad brush. But, um, day to day, I think what I do to serve the kingdom is we're called to love one another. And one of the ways that I love my bosses is by being there to work hard for them, um, and being a, a joyful presence and having a glad and happy attitude to do whatever <laughs> comes their way that day. That's incredible. Um, I love how the way you answered this question, you answered it on the micro and the macro level, mm-hmm. which I see as important for everyone to do. What yeah. is your role and impact on society at large or the environment that you're um, in? And then what is the day-to-day, my human touch points? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I uh, loving like my brothers and sisters? So I, I absolutely love that. Um, another question I would love to ask you is whenever and I got hints of this in your story for sure but I'd love to solidify it and make it kind of a a lesson point for someone else listening is how did you really know for sure whenever it was God speaking to shake that horrible doubt that comes up in a lot of us as like am I just making this up or was that really just God calling me right there how did you know I think it's the stuff that comes out of nowhere that I'm like, all right, God, <laughs> um, and I, that sounds kind of, I say that like kind of tired, but sometimes I am tired, but um, <laughs> you've been so articulate this whole time and are continuing to be so articulate. So Thanks. Um, I think, well, like Singapore happened, I saw an opportunity that kind of jived with completing an internship requirement and going abroad and I was supposed to go to London and then the dates for that internship just like wouldn't work out with the courses I had to take and but Singapore did and like literally did not know where Singapore was on a map had no desire to go to Asia like did not want to go to Southeast Asia in college and um they were like Singapore works you want to go to Singapore and I was like sure and that was I think that's God you know where he shows up or like you being interviewed for a job, like that's God. And I think whenever those things came out of nowhere, I would say yes, or put the, start the gears working to help them happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but during that whole time would just pray like on my knees prayer of like, God, if this isn't your will, shut the door. Like, I don't care if it hurts. I don't care if I have to pick up the pieces after, but like, if this isn't your will, like shut the door and I won't walk through it. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay pause everyone listen up right now if you could hear me snapping this is like clapping emoji hands okay, <laughs> lesson time uh, is that quite clearly your example and your lesson here is that clarity well you're just the the yes person you take smart thoughtful action whenever an opportunity is given to you and 
you're, you weren't ever waiting back, sitting in this dark room saying, you know, I think I just have to wonder about this and figure it all out before I start saying, okay, well, I'll go ahead and do the interview. Okay, well, sure, I'll explore the opportunity and see this where this leads. And all the while that you're taking action, being so thoughtful to say, Lord, if ever like you shut the door, I will listen. I'll stop. Please show me where you want to go. But you're, um, you have a bent towards being in action, which I think is so important for all of us to uh, make a habit of our own. It's so much more helpful, I think, than just sitting back and trying to plan and figure out your entire life and get clarity without testing and seeing how it, what happens in the real world. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's all in the same trajectory, right? Like, I've, it's been a circuitous journey, but like, it's all been on a trajectory of like, policy, government, legal stuff, you know? And so I think getting your trajectory is really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that goes back to what I feel like was a very profound experience when I was 14. So, yeah. It's like yeah. one calling many forms, which you yeah. know, if you want to get all <laughs> philosophical about it, you could say, well, it's like one calling here. And then the Lord called me to like this specific stint in my journey. Mm-hmm. But really we see the trajectory as you're saying. Yeah. It's going to have many forms and be changing all the time as you lead action oriented word a faithful life mm-hmm. in partnership with the Holy spirit who you depend on. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, I would love to hear any last wisdom that you have for people listening about um, how to, how would you encourage them in their journey to find their calling? Yeah, I think, (laughs) well, I think um, listening, like spending a lot of time listening and I, like I, my, I didn't go to church often in college. I didn't go to church like at all in college, Um, but I knew I needed Jesus when I moved here. And that was something else I learned when I was in Singapore is how important church is, um, which is another story. But um, I, being in a church community has radically transformed my life. And I I know that church can be scary. I know that it is a place that does not hold a lot of happy memories for some people. I was that way as well. Um, But I, I think showing up to a congregation or to a service requires faith. Um, and that's all that God asks of us is to just be faithful and know that, you know, he loves us and you might have to go to a few different churches to find something that works. But I think being involved in a church has just transformed my life because through church, I have accountability to read God's word each day. Um, oh. Which is literally like his Bible, like the Bible is literally a textbook on how to do life. Like yes. entire chapters, like Proverbs that like, oh, here's yeah. how to do life. <laughs> and, like Paul and all his letters of like, here's how to do life. Um, and so I think through having accountability to read the scriptures each day, but also having very thoughtful theological teaching on Sundays or through um, Bible studies or whatever, you know, however your church rolls out curriculum has been incredible. And then just being surrounded by a community of people who are also passionate about answering God's call on their life and which is to be in a church community. Yes. And that's our first calling. Like if you ever look up the word uh, in all its forms in the Bible of calling calls called 99% of the time, it's just talking about 
um, responding to Jesus's mm-hmm. call to faith, repentance, uh, baptism, leading a faithful life, believing in him uh, and being in community. So yeah. I am abundantly thankful that this is your answer. <laughs> That's the best, honestly, best way that you could encourage anyone. Yeah. It's like the most important thing uh, you could have, I, I could have asked you for um, tips of the wealth of wisdom in your brain of, uh, well, how would you recommend someone go about getting a job or entering a new sphere or whatever, but you just hit on the core point of um, life really is yeah. get in community. Cause that's where you're going to see your growth in the Lord and your faith with him skyrocket. Yeah. And that's where all of this comes from, right? It's mm-hmm. we're talking about a calling, not how you figured out your best life. Yeah, no. And callings are scary. And like I just sometimes I look around DC and I I mean even in my office and I wonder how anybody could do this without faith. Mm-hmm. Um because to to be called, I mean, it's like in a hero's journey, right? Like it is scary to start on a journey that you don't know where the end is. Um, but we don't have to do it alone. And we are doing it in the hands of our creator who loves us, like desperately loves us. And um, I just think it's beautiful and it's radical and it's different and it doesn't make sense with what the world tells us, but um, has been like the last three years have been one of the most impactful, profound experiences in my life. And I feel more at home with who I am as a child of God than I have felt in a really, really long time. Um, so it's worth it. It's worth it to live boldly and courageously as a child of God and know that you are answering a call that your creator put on your heart for a reason, because there's no one else in the world who will be able to do it. And he will, he will bring it to completion through you. Oh. Gosh, I, I was just making the prayer emoji hands because I'm just so, why is everything an emoji today? I, <laughs> I love it. It's a vibe. <laughs> it is a vibe. It's a feeling today. I am so thankful. Genuinely, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done in Ariane's life. And thank yeah. you so much, Ariane, for your encouragement and sharing your testimony. Oh, so much. Kelsey, minutes. it's just been a delight to get to reflect with you and what a gift you are to the world that you wanted your purpose to become helping others find theirs. Um, You have a servant's heart, but also a teacher's heart, which I love. And it's just been a delight to get to sit with you. What an honor to know you. (laughs) Same to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 